I've always had a, I don't know if you want to call it a soft spot, but I've always had a, a soft spot really for the wonder of creation. And if you think about it, I, I, even as far back as I can remember, hearing the stories of creation and learning about uh, creation and, and trying to grasp and understand the, the wonder and power of God and being able to create something from nothing, you know, to create and, and to have even within himself not only the power to do it, but, but the level of, of creativity and imagination and wonder that it would take to create all of the various species that we have on our, our, our planet, um, even within the same like, you know, subsection of, of animals, to, to think of all the uniqueness of, uh, you think of an ant, how many different kinds of ants there are. I mean, just, just the wonder that God has in creating the world around us. And there's just something wonderful about being able to look around the world and see the beauty that surround us, to see the wonder of it, the miracle of it, and to know, to know that this is the world that God created for us. That God created this world, and the creator of this world, this wonder that we see around us every day, also created us. That he knows you and that he loves you. Do you see the wonder and beauty of a sunset? How, how often will you stop and say, wow, that looks fantastic? Now, have you seen one before? Well, it's not the first time you've ever seen a sunset. But there's something wonderful just in the vision of it, right? In seeing it. And I, I've mentioned this before, but, but how many times will you stop and point out the fact that there's a rainbow? Why? Because there's, there's just absolute wonder in it. And again, it's not the first time you've ever seen one. It's not like, whoa, what is that? I've never seen that before. You've seen it before. Yet there's wonder in it. Do we, in seeing that, in understanding the wonder of that, do we see in it and recognize the hand of our Lord at work, that God created that. God created that wonder, that, that beauty, that God created that, that level of just majesty in that for us to be able to see and to witness and to know that there is a creator, a designer, that put that in place for us. Do we see the world around us? Do we, do we have the vision to see in the created world and see that because of that created world, we can know that there is a creator? Do we see that? Do we understand what went into creating the world, the power that God displayed in creating the world that is not a random assortment of actions? That we can, yes, we can adapt and we can change and animals adapt and change. But there is not this random collection of things that happen in order for us to be here. It is on purpose. This world is full of uniqueness and wonder. And this world is a purposeful creation of the God who loves us. 
And this world is full of all that we need to not only just to survive, but to live our lives with a real connection to that creator. Who is our heavenly father. So do we see our God? Do we see our God in the world around us? Now, of course, we know that there is much that seems wrong with our world. And there is much that is wrong with our world. And that's a byproduct of the choices that man has made. Right? We understand that. We understand that there is uh, much that goes wrong. There's much that we could say to our own dismay that, that happens in our world because of the choices that man has made. However, this is still God's world. The world and all that is in it. He is the creator. And, and I hope that as we begin to wrap our brains around the fact that this world and all that is in it, including us, is created by God, that it was created purposefully by God with love and with design, that we can also then recognize that he created us individually in the same manner. That God created us. God knows us. Each and every one of us. He created us and he knows us. And he loves us. Turn into the Psalms. And as you're turning there, you can turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You have me in, behind, and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. They would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They seek, or they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We are created. And God knows us. 
God knows us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our words. He knows who we are. Even before we were woven together, God knows us because he created us. Now, our lives are filled with ups and downs. Our lives are filled with joys and heartbreak. They're filled with all of these things. All of these things that we have to deal with and interact with other people. We have to do all of this stuff. But we are created by God to be who we are. Now, as we deal with the world around us, as we deal with sin, as we deal with temptation, there's times we get off track from what God has created us and called us to be. But God created us. He created you to be you. And the you that is in a relationship with him, the you that is doing what you're supposed to be doing. God created us. And again, this doesn't mean that life will be perfect. It doesn't mean we won't have trials or tribulations. But it does mean that we are created and know that as we are created, there is thought put into our creation. That's, we're not all the same. God created us uniquely. Look around the room. And how many people here are related? Quite a few. And are not the same. I mean, grew up, even some of you in the same household, the same family, siblings, same parents. Not the same. Because we're unique and God created us. He put thought into us. He knows us. Even, even before we speak a word. Just think about, just think about that for a second. Before you can even speak a word, and before it rolls off your tongue, whether you've put thought into it or not, God knows what that word is. That's how well he knows you, because he created you. And beyond that, he created you to be in his image. Turn back into Genesis, and we're going to read from Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky. And over every living creature that moves on the ground. We are created in the very image of our creator. The purpose of this is astounding. The wonder of this is, is truly amazing. That we know that we are purposefully made and not only purposefully made but purposely made to mirror and be an image of him who created us we have a body we have a mind we have a we have an eternal soul we have all of this that god has given us all of this so that we can respond to him to be in a relationship with him to truly seek to be like him to be at peace with god this is how we were created to be at peace with God. And again, our world has dragged away from that through its own actions, through our own actions. But we were created to be like him. From the very beginning, we see and understand that. That God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness. 
So when the world calls us away to be something else, we know that that's not who we are. That's not who we're intended to be. We know that God created us and he loves us. And often we get so wrapped up in the negativity of our world that we forget that because we were created by God, that not only in his image, but that when God looks at us, what did he say? At the end of the sixth day, he looked down and said what? That it is very good. Included in that is who? Mankind. Now, is man, does he know that mankind's not going to be perfect? Well, obviously, because the plan of salvation was put into place before even the creation of the world. So he knows that they're not going to be perfect. But because he created us, because our creator is good, because our creator is righteous and holy and perfect, that we were created to be very good. Just think about the wonder of the human body and how it works, the mind. I mean, just... Just stop and think about all of the wonder of that, that we're still discovering how it all works and how, figuring it all out. God created that. God created us. And again, the purpose of that is that we understand and know that we are to be in a relationship with Him, who is our Creator, who we were created to be like. So of course we're to be good, we're to be very good, we're to respond to him. Now there is only one who is truly good, we understand that and know that. But as created in his image, we are made perfect through him. That we can respond and live a life that is dedicated to him. And in order to do that, we have to do his will. You know, so often people will struggle with what the meaning of life is. Why are we here? What are we doing here? Why, why is the world the way it is? How, how do I fit into the world? How do I fit into the family I have? How do I fit into the workplace? How do I fit in all this? Well, what are we supposed to be doing? What is the purpose of your life? Is the purpose of your life to please other people? Is the purpose of your life to, to gain wealth or to gain power or notoriety? Is the purpose of your life to have all of these other things that the world provides as, as a great blessings or great uh, you know, attributes of the world? If that's what it is, then you're going to continually be seeking and trying to figure out your place in the world. Because none of that will answer that question. None of those things will satisfy that need to fit where you're supposed to fit. And so we understand that because we are created by God, because we are created in His image, we are created to be very good, that the only thing that actually helps us to fit in to how we are created is to do the will of God. It is the only thing that allows us to have this contentment and hope to know that life makes sense. Now, we're... We're still going to have to deal with all of the sin around us. We're still going to have to deal with even the repercussions of our own sin. But an understanding and a knowledge of who we actually are. That's a, that's a tremendous blessing. To be able to know where we fit into the whole scheme of the world under God. Do we recognize this? Do we recognize this as this is the purpose of 
of why we were created, of, of the life we're living right now. To be pleasing to God. To do the will of God. Now, there's going to be a lot of things that we're, we're going to do, right? We're going to, have, we're going to have recreation time. We're going to have times where we're involved in sports or involved in, in work or with family or with friends. All these other things. But the foundation of that has to be what? It has to be to do the will of God. To be pleasing to God. And that, everything else then is built on that. And not the other way around. If it's built the other way around, it's going to, it's going to topple over. You know the kid's song, right? You build the house on the sand, what happens? Oh, come on, you guys all know what happens, right? Splat. Because the foundation is off. It's not built where it's supposed to be. It's not built on the rock. And so we're building it on doing the will of God. Now, we understand. We understand that if we're not willing to do this, and we have to know and have a knowledge of this, if that we're not willing to do this, if we're not willing to do the will of God, if we're not willing to be obedient, then what will end up happening is that we're going to be dead in transgressions, in our own transgressions. That sin, as a result of sin, is always going to be death. For that is the wages of sin, is death. When we do not do the will of God, when we persist in that, and when we hold on to that, as Rob said earlier, we don't have to hold on to that, but when we hold on to that, we will be found dead in our transgressions. Turn into Ephesians, and I want to read uh, in Ephesians. If you'd like to turn there. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we understand this idea of being dead in transgressions. We understand and know what that is like, because all of us used to live this way, right? Now, we understand that this is true, that we used to live this way, and if, if you're out of that, then you understand the blessing of what it means to come into grace. If you're still not out of that, and, and then you are still living uh, in this manner, right? Following the ways of the world, the rule of the kingdom of the air, uh, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. At one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And the result of that, if you're still in that, it says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. So we understand 
that yes, we are created by God and we are created to do His will. And if we choose not to do that and continue to live this way, then we will be dead in our transgressions. But we don't have to hold on to that. That can be in the past. You used to live like that. But we don't have to hold on to that anymore. We can come to an understanding and be at peace with God. Now, we understand that all of us fall into that category, right? Each and every one of us falls into the category of needing Christ Jesus. Verse 3. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following his desires and thought. Like the rest, we are by very nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. We do not any longer have to live under the desires of the sinful nature. Now, Satan tempts us into thinking. He tempts us into thinking that we have to follow along with these desires. That it's the norm or it's what's acceptable because the world accepts it. But that is not the truth. It's not the truth. This has to be in our past. That all of us used to live this way. That we used to do those things. But now we are made alive. And there's going to be extreme levels of temptation. And we need to come out of the world and no longer follow the desires and thoughts no longer cling even to the death that is a result of our own transgressions. I hope that we are keenly aware of the repercussions of our own actions if we are not going to follow the will of him who created us. That there is only going to be one outcome. If that is the truth of how we're going to live. And the outcome of that is, as we've just talked about, that we will be dead in our transgressions. We don't have to live like that. And for all of you who understand that and know what it is to have grace that covers you, then you understand the true amazing blessing of that and want to cling to that and no longer go back or revert back to the life that we used to live and no longer want to give in to the temptation of the world around us. And when we do, or if we do, then we must repent of those things. We cannot hold on to them. We cannot cling to them. We cannot keep acting in them. But we have to repent of those things and change who we are. And once again, come to God. And once again, come to Him and be made alive with Christ. No longer dead in transgressions, but made alive. We so often we'll fight and cling to life. We enjoy, for the most part, we enjoy life right here on earth. Now there's obviously times where that 
kind of swings and downs and we're uh, maybe not so happy with certain things at certain times, but we cling to life. And, and we view life and we understand, uh, as Christians, we should understand tremendously the importance and value of life. God created us, right? God created us and knows us and has a purpose for us. As we even go back into this passage, it says in verse 10, For we are God's handy, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Our life has meaning and purpose, so we understand the value of life, Right? And we cling to it, and we, we have this tremendous uh, outlook on life. And all of that should pale in comparison to what it is to be made alive in Christ Jesus. And to know that we have life now to its fullest. And that only happens with Christ. You read through this passage, we can only be made alive with Christ. But then that is true life. Life that is eternal. No longer dead to transgressions, but life that is eternal. And that we can then understand and have riches of His grace. As you go into it, it says in verse 7, that we might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That that will come, it says, in the coming ages. I don't know about you, and I, well, I do know about some of you, but how many of you are looking ahead, anxiously awaiting the opportunity to spend eternity with God? Just, just think about how, how tremendous that is going to be. Are we, okay, I just asked you to think about it, but I know that we can't comprehend it. I, I know that we only see in part about how amazing it's going to be to be able to spend an eternity with God. So when it says in this passage that, well, let's go back to verse 6, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That we get to be not only in the heavenly realms, but we get to be in the coming ages with Christ, with God, in this fullness of life. Because we have life with Christ. And how amazing that's going to be. And there's only one way to get there. We know, I know we know that. But we have to be reminded that there is only one way to get there. That we have life in Christ. That we are made alive even though we were once dead in our transgressions that we are made alive. And this, we often think, and this is maybe the hubris of man, we often think that it's because I'm so wise or I've made this, I've made this wonderful decision and I'm so good. You know, I, I've been a good Christian for many, many years, and so God loves me. Well, that, that's kind of flawed thinking because God loves everyone, right? So it's not, it's not because you're so good. It's not because you're so wise. In fact, this passage says, this is not from yourselves, right? This is not from works. Why? So that no one can boast. And so we have an understanding that we are made alive with Christ. For it is by grace, verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, 
so that no one can boast. This is what our God has done for us. The God who loves us, the God who knows us, the God who created us, the God who knows the words that are coming out of your mouth. This is what God has done for us. And so we do not boast in ourselves, right? We do not boast in ourselves and go around telling people how great we are as Christians, but we can tell people how great Christ is that we can be Christians. And so great God is that we can be accepted as his children. Because what if Christ has done? And if we twist that and forget the order of things, then we are misplacing the power of grace. Because it doesn't come through what I have done. I, I could not save myself. And again, as, as Rob read for us, the idea of sacrifices, we couldn't do enough to save ourselves. But it is a gift of God. The God who created us and knows us. We have to fully rely on him who is our creator. We cannot boast in ourselves. We cannot think that we've worked hard enough. But understand the true reason of life. Not going back to our transgressions, but doing the will of God as he has made us alive. So that we can become his child. A child of the king, a child of the heavenly father. One at peace with our creator. I want to continue reading in, in Ephesians chapter 2 as we close this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far away have been brought nearer by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, in which he put to death their hostility." He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit.